Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24, the steadfast love of the Lord. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So, pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we gather together um, to worship, to seek you um, in your word and prayer. And uh, especially as we wind down this calendar year, we pray that you would work in our hearts, help us to have a desire to seek you more, to draw closer to you, to properly Think about the events of this past year and go into this new year with the right state of mind. Be here with us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so here we are in the last few days of 2019. Um, so this is usually the time of year when we see around us all kinds of things that look back in the previous year. So, you know, we see things um, where people are looking back at the best and the worst, right? The best or the worst movies of 2019. The best moments in sports or the worst political blunders of 2019 and so on. And uh, so we want to try to do a similar kind of thing on a personal level. Uh, at this time of year, we want to look back at the year to evaluate ourselves. And also, you know, just think about what did I do well? What did I not do well? What should I improve on? And we also want to do a, a helpful evaluation so that we can look forward to the coming year, um, so that we can grow in the year 2020. And that's what we'll try to do New Year's Eve. We normally gather together, and, uh, and that's what we try to do at that gathering, to evaluate ourselves. That's also my intention for today, through this text that we'll read, so that we can think about our personal relationship with, with God, where I am spiritually, the state of my heart, and uh, prepare ourselves to move forward in a in a mindset of growth for 2020. Okay, so, uh, so we'll do that. First, we'll think about the, the book of Lamentations a little bit. Uh, Lamentations is usually attributed to the prophet Jeremiah, and it's called Lamentations because it's a poem of lament, lament at the fall of Jerusalem. The book was written... In the aftermath of the fall of the city and the temple of Jerusalem, the fall of the city, fall of the temple in 586 B.C., and it contains an eyewitness account of the tragedies that took place in the last days of Judah. See, God's people have been away from the Lord for some time, not following the Lord, not living in obedience to the Lord. So the Lord sent a powerful enemy to discipline his people. Nebuchadnezzar, 
the king of Babylon, came to destroy Jerusalem. So they couldn't fight this you know, vast army. So what they did was the people fortified themselves in the city, and the city was under siege for about 18 months, a full year and six months. And uh, I mean, we can kind of imagine what happens in a city under siege, but we don't have to imagine it, the conditions that Jerusalem was in. We don't have to imagine it because Jeremiah tells us exactly what happened toward the end of that period when food ran out and disease took over. For example, in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 11, all her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Chapter 2, verse 11. Because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. Verse 12. They cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine? I don't think literally like these babies are drinking wine, but you know, like it's as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. So it's a picture of terrible famine starvation, people are dying from all kinds of disease. The conditions were so severe that even some things that were once thought unthinkable actually became reality. Chapter 2, verse 20. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? I mean, these things are happening in this state of siege because they're trying to survive for, for their lives. And all Nebuchadnezzar had to do was wait. And that's what he did. Waited for 18 months, and the city eventually fell. And Nebuchadnezzar went in and burnt everything to the ground. The city walls were broken to the ground. Everything went up in flames. The once majestic temple of the Lord, the king's house, all the houses, in fact, it says Nebuchadnezzar burned everything to the ground. And that's the situation that Israel's in now. So now the city lies in ruins. And Jeremiah looks at the ruins and he weeps over the destruction. In chapter 2, verse 11, it says, My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. We can imagine what's going on in Jeremiah's mind because at the height of Israel's glory, they were a people to be feared because the Lord Almighty was their God and the Lord was like no other. There was no one like him and his unmatched glory was reflected in things like the Lord's temple and through the success of his people. But now all of that is gone. And what Jeremiah sees before him is so far removed from what once was, from what, what was supposed to be. And now the Lord's people are just the object of mockery among the nations. And all the while, the prophet fully acknowledges that all of these things that came about was from the hand of the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 8, he says, The Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measuring line, meaning he did this. The Lord himself is responsible for this. 
he did not restrain his hand from destroying. And actually, Jeremiah says, the Lord was right to do this because of the rebellion of his people. So Jeremiah, even in this, even in this, he interprets the terrible turn of events in Israel's history. He interprets this through the lens of the covenant. He knows that this was from the hand of the covenant-keeping God who acted in, in step with the covenant to discipline his people. And that is why, that is why he says in chapter 3, verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. <clears throat> terrible tra tragedy, terrible misery, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And that brings us to the famous verses that we just read, the verses that we're going to look at. Okay? So, love with no end. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Chapter 3, verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. These two lines here repeat the same thought. The steadfast love of the Lord and His mercies never cease, never end. The word mercy implies that someone is in need. And God is in the position to show compassion to that person who is in need with his mercy. And the word steadfast love is the word hesed. It's the Hebrew word hesed. Many different words can be used to describe the meaning of this one word hesed. Words like loyal, faithful, covenant, steadfast. So hesed is a word that's often used in the Bible to describe God's loyal, faithful, covenant love for His people, even when God's people go away from the Lord. For example, we see this word used in Ruth, in chapter 2, verse 20, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. So hesed is used in Ruth to reflect how the Lord faithfully preserved the line of Abraham, even when the situation looked hopeless for Naomi and Ruth. They're in this, they're, 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 they're hopeless. Like, who is Ruth going to marry? And how is the line of Abraham going to continue? The Lord intervenes with his covenant love, Hesed. We see this word also in the time of David that we've studied recently. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 15. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul. So hesed, again, is a word that explains why David did not die at the hands of Saul. And also explains why the line of David continued despite the sins of David's descendants because of the Lord's faithful covenant love. We also see this word used in Hosea. Hosea chapter 2, verse 19. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Hesed describes what the Lord was trying to show his people through Hosea's marriage to his unfaithful wife. God says, marry a harlot and take her back every single time she prostitutes herself. 
and do that so that I can show how faithful I am to my people. Because such is the nature of God's love for his people. It's loyal, faithful. It's a covenant-keeping love. It's an unconditional, unchanging love. And it's this love that Jeremiah describes when he says, the steadfast love of the Lord, this hesed love of the Lord, never ceases. Never ceases. I was just uh, scrolling in my Bible program through all the verses that contain this word hesed in the Old Testament. And I was just, so, I was just getting blessed, just, just scrolling through the verses. Because there are so many of them. And I had the song Sovereign Over Us playing in the background. And I was getting so blessed because all throughout Israel's history, the verses show that God has been loyal, faithful, steadfast in His covenant-keeping love for His people, even when God's people went away from Him. And just like that song says, you're faithful forever, perfect in love. And in your sovereign love, it's over us. What that means is that this is also the word, hesed, is also the word that describes how the Lord treats us who are in Christ every single day every single moment of our lives because of Jesus Christ. And I tried to think of some things that don't end. I couldn't really think of anything that doesn't end, like things on earth that doesn't end. What came to mind was the credits, the scrolling credits after a Marvel movie, Right? It feels like it doesn't end because you're sitting there waiting to see that 30-second bonus clip at the, end of the, <laughs> at the end of the credits. So you're sitting there, oh, like, you know, let's go. The kids want to stay. And it doesn't end. It's scrolling, scrolling. It doesn't. But finally, it does end. And then you see that bonus clip. Oh, like, oh. And then, whatever that means, I guess we'll find out at the next movie. And because I just saw Star Wars, I also thought of when you're driving in the highway at night while it's snowing. The snow that hits your windshield looks like stars while you're traveling through space in the Millennium Falcon. Right? Like it seems like you're going forever, like through space. But eventually the snow stops and you come back to Earth. You see, the point is this. No matter how long something goes on for, everything comes to an end. At least everything here on earth. Because the space that we live in is limited. The time that we live in is limited. But Jeremiah says, God's hesed love, his mercy, has no end. It just keeps on going. So we can't even contain 
God's mercy in time. Right? Because God's mercy keeps on going. He keeps on demonstrating more and more mercies. So you cannot contain it in time. Even when we try to talk about God's mercies in our lives. Oh, he did this in my life. He demonstrated his love. He demonstrated his mercy for me in my life. We can never give adequate testimony to God's mercies because his mercies never end. No matter how much we try to talk about it, it does not do justice to this endless mercies of God. There's not enough time, not enough space to record the works of God's love because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and His mercies never come to an end. That's what Jeremiah says. No matter what your situation is, no matter what our situation is, in this darkest time in Israel's history, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Love with no end. New mercies every morning. Uh, now, to describe this unending nature of God's love and mercy, to describe it, Jeremiah thinks of the word morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Morning, because each day brings another morning. After the day ends, you, you go to sleep, you wake up, and there's a new morning. Each morning brings light after a period of darkness. So morning is the beginning of another day, no matter what happened the previous day. No matter how bad the day was, the next morning brings a new day. And that's what he seems to have in mind when he says, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Even after the darkest night in Israel's history, the coming morning is certain because that's the nature of God's love. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, because the mercies, His mercies never come to an end, God's people can look ahead to the new morning that is certain to come. They will one day be with God again. They will enjoy His presence again. They are new every morning. And he says, this is true always. Because he doesn't just say, His mercies are new for one more morning or two more mornings. No, he says His mercies are new every morning. I think this is what Jesus was teaching Peter when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Jesus basically says an endless number of times. There should be no limit to how many times you forgive. And the point is because that's how God treats us. That's how God loves us. No matter how many times, no matter what the offense or how many times the offense, His mercies are new every morning. So that means no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what the previous day was like, no matter what the current state of my heart is, no matter what my 2019 was like, there's always hope for me because His mercies are new every morning. This morning He was ready 
to meet me with His mercy. Tomorrow morning as well, He's ready to meet me. In 2020, He's ready to meet me with new mercies. If you're like me, you use your phone throughout the day and you charge it at night. You go to sleep with your battery drained to the red bar level. But then you wake up and it's fully charged at 100%. So that means now, with the fully charged phone, you're ready to go. Right? You don't have to worry about it dying on you when you need it the most. You're ready to go and tackle the day. And that's exactly how our hearts are. We get drained throughout the day because of our own selfishness, because of our sins, because of the sins of others around us. But we go to Him every morning because His grace is sufficient for us. So what that means is we can leave that time with God with our hearts fully charged, with His sufficient grace enabling us for whatever He has in store for us that day. His mercies are new every morning. So with that in mind, I just want us to think about a few applications now as we think about you know, going into this new year. What does this mean for me? I think about going into 2020, New Year applications. Uh, first, I would say seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. All right, Jeremiah says, after, you know, after recalling the steadfast love of the Lord, never sees mercies, never come to him. They're new every morning. After recalling that, he says, the Lord is my portion. Even though right now God's people are currently in a terrible situation, the ultimate goal was not to get out of that terrible situation. That's something that we would expect, right? When are we going to be glorious again? When are we going to get out of under the hand of the Babylonians again? The goal wasn't to to get out of this bad situation. His his purpose in thinking about the, 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 the steadfast love of the Lord and the mercies of God wasn't to make them to to make them feel better in this situation. You see, the ultimate goal was to love the Lord more. The Lord is my portion. He is my inheritance. He is the one that I want. The Lord is my portion. So seek the Lord. And that's what I would say as, one of the, as the first application to us. Maybe as you look back into your 2019, you can say that it wasn't quite the year that I, that I had pictured for myself a year ago. There are things about it that if I could do it over again, I would certainly do it differently. Plenty of mistakes. And the current situation that I'm in right now is because largely due to a lot of those mistakes that I've made. 
But even in this situation, the goal isn't to just to make things better for myself in the year 2020. Isn't to just be more prosperous in my life circumstance. But the reason why I'm in this situation to begin with in the sovereign hand of God is so that in my heart I would be able to declare the Lord is my portion. That's the goal, so that I would love God more, so that he would be more prominent in my heart. He is the one that I truly desire in my heart. So seek the Lord primarily first before anything else. As you evaluate your past year, may it bring you to this place where you say, I need to get to this place in my heart where the Lord is my portion and seek the Lord. Secondly, second application, get into the Word. Get into the Word. Um, In verse 21, right, again, right before the steadfast love of the Lord, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I mean, so think about this. Israel's situation is terrible. It's, it's a hopeless despair if you look at the circumstances. What actually just happened? The, the, the nation of Israel has completely been destroyed. There's not a single remnant of the previous glory left. Everything you look around says, like, it's over. But then in that situation, Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind. So now he's bringing to mind, despite what he sees, he's bringing to mind what he knows of the Lord. And because of that, therefore I have hope. He looks around the city, the walls, the temple, in complete ruins. But even in this, he recognizes that God is loving us right now. God is steadfast. His love is steadfast. His love does not end. So even in this, this is his faithful, steadfast, loving hand of discipline. This kind of change in perspective is only possible when we know God through his word. And that's why, even though nothing's changed, right? There isn't hope yet, circumstantially, right? It's not like they've gone through the period of exile that looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel. None of that has happened yet. But he says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This is hope and faith rooted in the truth of who God is because Jeremiah knows God. Again, there's so many times when people crumble when life circumstances seem so dim, right? Different things happen in our lives, and if we let the circumstances around us dictate how we feel, how we, how we behave, how we treat others, 
but get into the Word so that we can, in our despairing situations, call to mind and have hope because of what we know of God in His Word. Make a resolve in your own heart that in 2020, I want to get to know God more. I want to be more faithful in my quiet times. I want to get into His Word and experience a deeper understanding of who God is in my life. That I would be the one that can help others overcome their circumstances because the Word of God lives in my heart. And uh, thirdly, third application is uh, repent, repentance. Chapter 3, verse 40, Jeremiah. Um, his, his flow of thought eventually goes to a call to repentance. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So, you know, it's not like some, some magical thing that he's, ex he's expecting to happen or because he loves us, because God loves us, because his love is so faithful, we can live in whatever ways that we want to and expect this period to eventually come to an end and there can be prosperity again. No. His flow of thought leads him to a call for his people to repent. Let us test and examine our ways. Think about what we've done to bring ourselves to this place and let us return to the Lord. The prophet calls for repentance. And again, it's, it's true of us as we look back to our 2019 and think about the things that, that are lacking in our lives. And that's not that hard to do. Right? That's not that hard to do. Every single one of us, even in this moment, am I truly happy with where I am in my life? Relationally, you can think about the, the conflicts of 2019. Perhaps some people that are really dear to us that we've had some difficulties with. And probably like the most important thing, where I am with God, relationally with God. Am I truly content and happy with where I am with God? And if I'm not, how did I get here? It's not, it's not that hard to evaluate and think about ways that I need to improve my relationship with God. And Jeremiah says, test and examine your ways and return to the Lord. Seek the Lord, get into his word, and repent. Um, If you're in town, I want to encourage you uh, this Tuesday, New Year's Eve, um, 10 p.m., right? Because, like, how long can you evaluate? I don't know. We used to do 9 o'clock, um, but then we went to 10. So for two hours, because, you know, you got to end it around midnight, New Year's, because, you know, you got to be able to, like, uh, say Happy New Year and things like that. 
So at uh, 10 o'clock, we get together. And uh, honestly, like, it's, it's really one of the most uh, blessing times because, like, you know, it, it's very purposeful. When we gather together, it's really purposeful. Like, we really want to get closer to the Lord. So we'll ask ourselves some questions. We'll evaluate. And, and uh, I'm really excited about it this year. Um, I have a plan to help us to really think about things in a helpful way, in a way that might possibly make us feel uncomfortable. I mean, you know, like, it's between you and God. No one's going to make you feel uncomfortable except the Holy Spirit, right? Uncomfortable before God so that we can try to improve our lives for 2000. So I'm excited about it. I want to encourage you to come and join us. Um, and then, you know, so we, so we pray like we, we do those things and we pray like a little bit into like 2020, the new year, like past midnight, uh, so that, you know, you can say to God, God, I was praying and the new year started. What, what were you doing? I wasn't partying. I was just praying to you, right? So we can say that. And then after the new year, the, you know, um, we celebrate together with tangerines and cookies and, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of good gifts from God. Okay? So I want to encourage you to come and join us this Tuesday if you're in town. It'd be a, a great time. And uh, just lastly, just want to conclude with this thought. Again, what do you have to do? A lot of times this time of year, people make New Year's resolutions. They think about it. And one of the primary things, like one of the probably more common things, not just like among us or just, but like among people who make resolutions in this country, probably one of the most prominent things that people resolve to do is, what do you think? Exercise or get healthier, probably to get into the gym, right? I'm going to get on that treadmill. I'm going to start eating better. So I'm not going to eat those sweets anymore. I'm not going to eat past a certain time. I'm going to slim down. I'm going to get healthier in my life. Um, and, that, you know, and, and that's fine. I'm going to try to do that myself too. But I remember uh, one time... I forgot exactly when I heard this, but someone was telling me about, uh, I think it was a friend of mine who was telling me about this time when he was like um, driving to morning prayer. And uh, he saw these people out you know, at 6 a.m. running in the, in the cold of winter. And it wasn't in Minnesota, but in the cold of winter, like in, you know, like maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 degree weather, out running so that they can get more fit, so that they can be healthier in their lives. And then he shared the, you know, that story and talked about the, the verse, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Um, and he was just sharing about, you know, like, um, it's great that these people want to get up early and run and get healthy in their lives, but What's better 
for me is to go to morning prayer and seek after God and to be healthy in my spiritual life, in my relationship with God. Making those resolutions are fine. You know, get healthy, eat right, and do those things. But before anything else, I want to encourage you to get into a spiritual gym in 2020. Get into the Word. Seek the Lord in prayer. Exercise not only your heart physically, but spiritually, so that you can be in tune with God, so that the Word of God moves your heart, so that the gospel story and His love compels your heart to live in obedience to God. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment and pray as we reflect on where we are spiritually today. Have you been in the Word recently? Have you been consistently seeking the Lord in your life? Have you been you know, exercising the habit of prayer in your life? How are your spiritual disciplines? What is your spiritual health like today? Again, like we said, if you... Uh, can't really tell how physically out of shape you are until you start running. If you're sitting there on a couch, everything seems fine. You start running, you realize, man, I'm out of shape. Same thing spiritually. Like, are you in condition right now to be able to go to your neighbor and, and share the gospel of God's love with that demonstration of his love coming out of your, of your own heart? Are you in a state where you're able to do that to your neighbor? To actually show the nature of God's love from your own heart? Can you go into work tomorrow morning and care about that person that is, you know, kind of neglected at work, this person that generally people don't like? Can you pour out God's love to that person, demonstrating an accurate picture of God's love for you. You see, those are ways that we can tell if our hearts are healthy or not, if I'm spiritually in shape or not. Um, and uh, if I'm not, if I'm not in shape, uh, we have to get in shape. Um, we have to get spiritually healthy. The good news though, is that no matter what our situation is like, no matter what this past semester, this past year was like, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This hesed, covenant-keeping, faithful, loyal love is with me, and he's calling me to a better place, to a better relationship with him, to intimacy with him. And that is the hope. Jesus offers. So can we pray at this time about that? God, I want to draw near to you. I want to get spiritually right before you. I want to start off 2020 on the right foot. So can we pray that at this time? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your covenant love in our lives. We thank you that no matter how bad things seem to get, we can never go beyond the reach of your grace and your mercies for us, which are new every morning. We pray that you would strengthen our hearts, refuel our hearts with the hope that comes through your word. We pray that there would be a Holy Spirit-given resolve to draw near to you. Strengthen your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing this song declaring God's faithful love for us. Thinking about how through uh, you know, generations and generations throughout the history since the fall, God has been steadfastly faithful in his love, and that does not change today. It's the same in our lives. Okay? So let's declare through this song and ho have hope in our hearts for a better and greater 2020. pray together and we'll just uh, spend this time to, to commit ourselves to the Lord based on the faithfulness of God. Uh, this is kind of like the, the season for movies. You know, a lot of people go out and a lot of blockbusters come out and people go out to see movies. I think it's so interesting that a lot of these movie narratives really follow um, the, the narrative of the greatest story of the universe, right? You know, there's like there's a, an adversary and there's a, a situation where you're almost in defeat, almost in the point of hopelessness, right? The, you know, how can the rebel cause continue <laughs> or something like that? And you look like, the situation looks like you're in the hope of despair, the hopelessness and despair. But then, you know, something happens and then they arise out of that situation and come to a place of victory. Um, that's the Star Wars story. That's like the, all of the 20 Rocky stories. That's like so many stories. Um, and that's the biblical story, and that's the biblical narrative in every single one of our lives. I think it's amazing that no matter how low we get, no matter how low you are right now, even in that spiritual state where like you can you, you can't even, like, cry out to God because spiritually you're in such a state where, like, you, you don't even feel like you have life. You're face down in the ground because you've been living for yourself for so long. And you haven't read the Bible in, like, how many months? I think, the, I think this is just so amazing that even in that situation, um, the Bible says there's hope. There's hope for every single one of us. Hope of spiritual strength, hope of um, being the person that God intends for me to be. There's that hope because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That means when you're face down on the ground, ready to give up, 
that's oftentimes many, many times a place that you need to be in a position of needing the mercies of God. When you cry out, even in the smallest act of faith, God's grace will meet us there and enable us and empower us. Let's just uh, trust in the Lord and hope in the Lord. Let's take a moment and pray and ask God for His strength for a better 2020. Let's just take a moment and pray before I close this in prayer and benediction. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the testimony of your word that tells us how faithful you have been through all generations. Even in the darkest of times for your people, how Jeremiah can declare the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Pray that the word of God would take root in our hearts and give us hope for our today. The difficult things that we're going through and uh, the feelings that we have of um, just feeling like we can't continue. In those moments, Lord, we pray that you would help us to look to you, cry out to you for mercy, repent of our sins, and we pray that you would meet us with your grace. Strengthen your people so that every single person here would have hope for intimacy with you to become the people of God that you're calling us to be so that we can be the vessels of God declaring to others how faithful you are and who Jesus Christ can be in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible covenant love, the chesed love of the Father God and the fellowship and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, God's people, both now and forever.